Hey Trent, it's Dave. Um, I'm reaching out to you because uh, we gotta think of something for the intro this week. And just call me back. Uh, maybe we should just scrap the whole. Call me. Give me a call back. Also, kind of funny because I got it at that flea market that you showed me actually. I'm not looking forward to the episode tonight. Why not? I'm just nervous. It. I mean, no one likes the movies I pick lately. It's like we literally got hate mail for me recommending Vampires, which is a great movie. Uh, with good reason. Uh, Vampires 2, by the way, I just got on Blu-ray. It's the one with the vampire shark in it. That's a regular shark. It's not a vampire shark. No, no. If you watch with the subtitles later on in the exposition, they explain that it's a vampire, actually. Have you seen Stacked and Hacked 83? I didn't see it. I saw that it existed. Actually, though. it's on X videos. Got Muncher 2008, South Korea. No subtitles, bro. Oh, yeah, dude. I had no idea what was going on. It was sick. I just got He Knows You Were Here, 1982, uncut. Oh, speaking of uncut, have you seen Decapitations? Just came out. It's only Decapitations for like 90 minutes. It's brilliant. Slaughterhouse Jive, 1977. Have you oh, seen dude, that? Toilet Paper Massacre. Have where the you one seen where that? The dingleberry eats that guy. That actually, the original short of Toilet Paper Massacre, that was the basis for Stabbing Cabin, 96. If you see the uh, unrated version, it's unbelievable. William have you seen Williams, that? who uh, did sperma Spermazoa. Spermazo How do you pronounce that? Spermatozoa. Spermazoa and Spermazoa too. I'm not good with the foreign titles. Have you seen Lugenflugen? Uh, is that foreign? Is that only on German dark web. On a werewolf is sick, dude. It's the movie that uh, where that guy doesn't know that he's a... Corpse Post, 2010. Gigabytes, though. Gigabytes. Uh, Gigabytes 2 Bites Back is the one. Just came out. It's out of print. You haven't seen it. Don't even say you've seen it. I got no, the I, only I, three copies at the Sanford Flea Market. You haven't seen that's it. That's the, the first movie of uh, Hulk Hogan. Uh -huh. He was a kid, so there's like no... There's no mustache or muscles or anything like Ugh. three is the one, but it's Hulk Hogan. I'm pretty sure. Twitch of the Witch, 1962. It's black and red for some reason. I think you might be right about nobody liking your picks this week. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Hello. Hi. Follow us on Instagram at Speak All Evil Pod. This week, ooze. Dave has got a couple oozers for us. A gooey week. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we talked about uh, VHS, video nasties, that whole, that whole vibe. We're going to go back now to Grindhouse, which I, th I think is a really interesting scene uh, in like the 60s and 70s, independent movies that played in porn theaters or like burlesque uh, nightclubs, and they were always excessively violent and or sexy or both. Um, this was like an era of horror getting like terrible reviews because there weren't horror fans working at magazines and television. Uh, every review for like a campy horror, like if it was like excessively violent or gratuitous in any way it was completely panned and i'm not defending grindhouse movies across the board because there was a ton of trash it was a very sleazy time but i i feel like they never had a chance to get to the mainstream like a movie like terrifier is doing right now on a very low budget yeah. they were just going around and like touring basically with these movies 
So it's cool that now, like Tubi and Shutter are are streaming these. But the movie I chose was an opener on a double bill. The headliner was like a biker movie, and it's called The Incredible Melting Man from 1977. It's the story of Steve, an ex-astronaut, who is the lone survivor of a very awkward mission to space where they get radiation from looking at the sun through the rings of Saturn. Kevin had actually told me that that part of the movie was tacked on later. And so what happens after that part is Steve is in bandages, like goodnight mommy, but like full body bandage. And he begins unraveling the bandages and he's melting. <laughs> it's pretty much the only way you can put it. He's definitely melting. And uh, for whatever reason, it, this movie's charm is in how ludicrous some of the stuff is. Um, but he has to get human flesh in order to either slow the melting down um, there's, there's also like a countdown to like, oh, there's only seven hours, but they don't really explain what's going to happen in seven hours. But it's basically the melting man is on the loose. He's at a race against time. There's something urgent happening and, uh, he's just wandering around and it's like really lonely, like, uh, Frankenstein. They even reference Frankenstein in it. Um, and He's just not, he has no dialogue. He's just melting the whole time and killing people. He looks kind of like a candle, but the grand finale is so gruesome. I was like, all right, Grindhouse, I'm in. That little extra, extra. <laughs> well, apparently, uh, it, as part of the marketing campaign, they actually sold candles. They made some candles and sold them as marketing um, swag for this movie. I had never seen this before. I don't recall if I had read about it, maybe. This is on Prime Free right now uh, on Paramount, written and directed by William Sachs, who has had, I think, like an interesting career. He's mostly known for fixing movies. Later on, doing reshoots, he did reshoots on Exterminator 2 from like 85. You know that one, of course. Um, He actually did some script doctoring on Leprechaun. But th- this was supposed to be his writer-director thing, and my understanding is that this kind of had a post-development hell. We talk about development hell a lot. This movie had so many reshoots and things, re-editing and stuff that went on after Sax was off the movie, and I think he's kind of disavowed it. I enjoyed this one. This reminded me more than anything of like First Blood, if John Rambo was melting. He's basically <laughs> and, and eating I, people. Yeah, and I, I thought there were like some, um, you know, intended or not. I thought there were some, and I don't think intended because this, I, in my understanding, was supposed to be like a comedy parody. And what the studio wanted to do was turn it into a straight horror movie as a sort of a cash grab. But it reminded me of these these um, late seventies and mostly eighties, I guess, these disillusioned Vietnam movies, even like Deer Hunter. Melting Hunter, um, <laughs> this where this idea of where the guy comes back. In this case, it's from space. But I thought it just resembled those movies where the guy comes back from Nam, and he's ruined, and he's he's bruised, and he's beaten, and he's broken, and he's ruined, and he doesn't get any respect because there's no support for the war anymore. And so when I saw this guy stumbling around and stumbling back to 
some of the people that were involved in his space trip. He kind of goes right back to the whole general. There's this uh, general character who is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> that reminded me of the First Blood thing, too. So that that kind of was where I put this. Um, Rick Baker, some, some amazing special effects. I think some of that stuff, I would like to see like a director's cut of this. I don't think it exists anywhere. Um, I know this was shown on a Mystery Science Theater 3000. I think that's probably the best way to watch this. I wouldn't say I loved it. Um, the pacing is fairly slow. You can tell that it's kind of pushing and pulling between comedy and horror the whole way. There are so many funny things that happen. But then there are, like, to me, there's real real pathos and, and real serious stuff that happens too, especially the end we can talk about. I thought the end was maybe intended to be funny, but... It's really brutal, especially if you think about the Vietnam analogy. I really enjoyed this one. Thank you, Dave. This movie was a film. (laughs) Classic. Definitely a story that was told on screen, for sure. Honestly, this was just, this was a flop. This was a flop for Cat. It was a Cat flop. Uh, It was boring. It was repetitive. It was confusing to me. Very. But it, it was mostly just like bland... I didn't pick up on why this person was killing random people. Um, I figured he was just mad because he was all melty and he wanted everyone else to be melty along with him. But then he also gets more power when he's melty, at his meltiness, if you will. protein. needs the teen. I just had so many questions for this plot that maybe I I could have answered myself had I tried to uh, watch it a little better, but it was just kind of hard for me. I did very much like the uh, the special effects, though. I thought the um, the scene of the head floating down the river was my favorite part. I think of of the whole movie. I kind of liked the melty makeup. I especially um, I liked the last scene where the janitor is just nonchalantly <sighs> scooping is, him into the dumpster. That is the payoff. that was that was the moment where I was like, whoa, okay. I liked this movie. Had I known it was supposed, it, you know, had supposed to have been a comedy, I think I would have looked at it in a different lens and maybe appreciated the humor in it a little bit more. But I think that happens to me a lot, where I don't see that something's supposed to be making fun of itself, and I'm just like, "The fuck? What the fuck is this? Why'd you guys make me watch that?" But other than that, I would like to rename this movie to the mediocre Melting Man. Because there was nothing incredible (laughs) about it. Boom, roasted. (laughs) I knew nothing about this movie. I had never heard about it. I knew that the cover of it was black and white, so I thought I was going into a black and white weird pick. But here's what I do know. I know that it's Dave's week. (laughs) So I can watch a movie in Dave's mind. <laughs> so I kind of, so for one, one bonus right away. It's in beautiful Technicolor. So it was mm. not the black and white weird thing that I was expecting. And then the movie got going, and within minutes, you know, you see the melting man, and I was like, okay, this is a Dave movie. Watch it. Watch it as though you're going to be talking to Dave about it. Well, I'm just like, this movie exists. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before. You know, the re- you curate things, the reason that you, you yeah, know, gravitate towards... Yeah, that's not what you usually say. Yeah. It's still Kevin's take. <laughs> take stealer. Hey, I Trent. I two words. <laughs> Trent, we're watching three. it right now. We are. This is true. So I enjoyed this. 
And again, another bonus for me this week is I really like a movie that's almost more fun to research for me and learn about yeah. than it maybe was to watch it. Yeah. And then, you know, we watch it again this afternoon and watching it through that lens, you know, Dave and I were, you know, kind of riffing like, fact off, fact off, fact off. Did you know this? Did you know that? <laughs> and, but, but we're watching the movie and we're having these revelations about how this movie potentially could have been even better. Story-wise, it's terrible. Special effects-wise, it's amazing. Plot-wise, it's terrible. Characters come and go. There are thrown-in scenes. And again, not all Sack's fault. But I think, again, it's a movie. Would I recommend it to a passerby? No. Neither would I. But is it something that I think is important? <laughs> you know, knowing about the grindhouse aspect, knowing about the history of it and how, you know, like you, you alluded to, Trent, Sachs gave the film to the studio and behind his back, they added all this footage. They took out all the comedy and they changed it all. Those things are fascinating to me. And yeah. I love to live in a world where I wonder what his vision was and if it would have been even better. So, again, I think it's something I wouldn't recommend to, like, a rando that's like, well, I'm thinking about getting into horror movies. What do you think I should start with? It would not be no. The Incredible Melting Man. If I ran into somebody at, like, a horror convention or something, I would put this, once again, on movies that you and Dave, Trent and Dave, have given us where I'm like, you got to at least give it a spin yes. if you want to have full cred. It's just a Rick Baker off. Rick Baker didn't want to do it, so he outpriced himself. And then was surprised when they came back and said, yes. As an artist, that's when you really deliver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rick Baker, from what I've read, had had stages of melting, had more stages of him as melting, and that either got cut out or um, the actor that was playing Steve West, Alex Rabar. Was Rebar? a dick. Yeah, uh, notorious for being impatient with the makeup and apparently like, like wouldn't wear some of the stuff. My favorite thing about this movie, though, is when uh, General Perry and Dr. Ted, those are kind of the two main characters that are, they're looking for Steve West now. Steve West has gone rogue. He's Rambo. He's melting. He's stumbling around through the woods. I felt bad for the melting man. He was like the most ineffectual zombie ever. I mean, he hardly killed anyone. He's just stumbling around melting. Like nobody wants anything to do with the guy. So they, they have this whole manhunt. Dr. Ted has to call General Perry, who is like the John Wayne, old Hollywood like type guy. It's cliche. Both, oh my God. Both of these movies so that we're talking about good. tonight have like the, they check the box of the cliche characters. So, so Dr. Ted and General Perry conduct the laziest manhunt. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I like, can go for a drink. <laughs> yeah, they like they, they drive around for a little while. Ah, I don't see him anywhere. Well, we better go back to the house. I could use a drink. Yeah. And then uh, I just call it a night on that. They go out tomorrow, drive around a little bit. Ah, I still don't see him. Ah, God, uh, what, what's your wife making for dinner? Yeah, turkey legs. <laughs> turkey legs. <laughs> I'd like to talk about the slow motion scene at the beginning of the film. Incredible. With the uh, the nurse running. Breasts just going to and fro, and I hurt. It hurt me because I was like, "Ouch, girl!" I could feel the pain um, from those titties flopping up and down. Um, and then she just like holds on to them for the last part of it and just continues to run. But then there was no one chasing her as she's running in slow motion. It gets to the, <laughs> the end, and there's no it. one behind her. And I'm like, "What is she? Where? What is she running from?" <laughs> and then and then he like shows up like right away. I'm like, it was it was just a it was a fun way to uh to start what I was about to encounter in this film. That scene is how the movie was supposed to start. 
So and it was not supposed to be slow mo. That again was uh, producer's <laughs> call. the The scene was supposed to start with her just running down the hall screaming, and you don't know why. And then you see Melting Man. No mm-hmm. bandages, none of that. All the astronaut stuff and him in the bed and all that was all shot after Sachs thought the movie was done and turned in to the studio. So you didn't know why he was melting. So you didn't. So you never understood. Okay. I think until like the end why he was melting. I mean, I didn't really understand why he was melting. I, anyway, because he looks <laughs> at the sun <laughs> well, through Saturn's yeah, rings. Now or I know. I and mean, we do that like every day now, but I mean, <laughs> back then it was like, oh my God, don't look through yeah. the rings of Saturn. <laughs> uh, I thought that actually uh, the comedy route of this. There's a spider. Sorry. Oh. It's under my shoe. It's under my shoe. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, Kill it. Kevin. Oh, I see it. It's <laughs> fast. Is it's a brown there? recluse. No, Get it's it, not. Kevin. It is. That, that is definitely a brown recluse. Stop. Oh, sorry. That'll oh, kill you. Okay. <laughs> yes, Kevin so right got it. Shoe. Good I'm job. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that was, that was horrific and scary. <laughs> Scarier than this Basically movie. Saved your but life. I, yeah. I think the idea of it going more comedy would not appeal to me. Because the moments that are comedy, yeah, they are funny. But I don't think this should have been like a motel hell kind of situation. I think that, like Trent, you were saying the first blood Vietnam kind of thing. Yeah. I think that would have been an angle to lean into uh, being, you know, abandoned by your, your government and the scientists and all that stuff, except exactly. uh, the doctor yeah. was on the up and up just trying to talk it out with him at the end. But all the things that you guys criticize about this movie are the reason why I picked it and the reason why I watched it because I'm just watching it. And sometimes when things happen, you're just like, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> they just did that or they just acted that scene that way and they made that that choice in dialogue or whatever i for some reason that stuff just i love it well it's a, it's a collection of scenes it's one of those movies where it's like very disjointed yeah and it's a and sometimes yeah. we talk about these movies where it's a collection of scenes and some are like super impactful and you're like yeah or wow and then some, you're just like, what is happening? But some of those are my favorite, like the old couple in the lemon grove. Okay, what the hell was that? <laughs> like the, it was like it was like circus music behind. Like the soundtrack to this is laughably bad, as well. But I I kind of liked it. It was kind of charming. Uh, and I I disagree, Dave. I would love to see what would have happened if this was because he was he wanted to do a satirical parody of the horror genre. And and you can see, like watching it again and knowing that you can see in some of these more lighthearted if you if that's the appropriate way to describe them lighthearted scenes, um, but it really is just like a random collection of scenes. But knowing that it was completely re-edited and there were reshot reshoots just thrown in there, you know I get it now. You mentioned Frankenstein, but uh, this also reminded me of It's Alive a little bit, and we're going to talk mm-hmm. about Larry Cohen uh, in the next movie. I think all that stuff kind of goes, I think there's similar vibes with the um, having been used up and cast aside by your government and your country, similar to It's Alive, and especially that there's an end scene where you hear the radio about, the radio report about the next trip to Saturn, exactly the same as the end of It's Alive, where you hear about, we just discovered one in Seattle. Um, I I thought there were a lot of traditions of horror that were honored in this. What year was It's Alive? 74, I want to say. Okay, so this could have been aping. I think it was, and I think there's other stuff in here, and maybe because of the Mystery Science Theater thing, but it reminded me of that movie, The Dead Don't Die, which I I thought was great, but there's- Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, yeah, Bill Murray. uh, I'm not a fan either. 
You saw didn't it like on a plane. it? I didn't like it. Adam I, Driver. Oh, I thought it was funny. The end of it just ruined the whole uh, thing. You got, I thought it was a funny one, but I, I think that there's a line in that where there's a gag where each time they find a, a body that's been mutilated by the zombies, somebody says, looks like a wild animal. And then somebody else says, or several wild animals. There's a scene in this movie where somebody finds a mutilated body and says, looks like a wild animal. And it, it looks like nobody, they know it's not a wild animal. I wondered if that's where that gag came from in the Jarmouche movie. So the scene that we're watching right now, uh, again, like going back to the where this is just a collection of scenes, this kind of blew my mind. At, at some point, like I think, you guys mentioned he's just wandering around like aimlessly and killing Stumbling people. Stumbling around, just you know, melting. At one, one point, there's just like a random couple that appears. Mm-hmm. Do you know who the guy that he kills is? Jonathan Demi. Jonathan Demi, the fucking director of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Ooh. That, I was like, what? Wow. Oh, God, it's his ear. <laughs> that, that was, I think, so there's little bits of the comedy left in, like when they find his melted, his ear has like sloughed off his face and, oh. and, oh God, it's his ear. There's a part where he walks down the train tracks, missing an arm, melting to hell. And these homeless transients are down <laughs> yeah, yeah. by the tracks drinking whiskey and they're like, you think we got it bad? Look at that guy. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> But again, even that has like a societal, you know, right. point to it. <laughs> yeah. Also, he's missing an arm, and it's not the same place where you saw his arm get chopped. The, the he he attacks the the house, and the woman like has an axe, and she chops his arm off through the window. The she other... chops him more like the elbow area. But then the next scene, his he's chopped at the oh, shoulder. Right. There's no continuity to that at all. I had some food delivered here tonight before uh, before you guys got here. Dave and I were watching. I was like, man, I'm really glad I didn't order pizza. No, oh, It's like a pizza, pizza face. face. Oh. <laughs> he goes from toilet paper face at first to pizza face at the end. That, that actor that, again, uh, Rebar, Rebar Alex, that played um, Steve West, he's been involved at a production and writing level in some obscure horror movies that I'm not familiar with, like Demented, Beyond the Door, to all a good night, eighty slasher. They all look like they might be so bad it's good. I, I want to see what Alex Rebar has been involved in behind the camera after seeing this. I mean, it's hard to tell if he's doing a good job or not. It's kind of like <laughs> me in my Halloween costume the other night. Like, what, did I do a good job? I don't know. I mean, is Dave melted. asleep? I don't know. <laughs> I melted, man. Definitely some a cab in this one. Another so long horror tradition. The the inept and and aggressively violent cops at the end that just shoot. I mean, do we are we spoiling this? I mean, I, no, no, no. Just shoot Doctor Ted in the face. Right he doesn't face. even have a chance to explain what he's doing. Just bam, you're that gone. That is sad. Yeah. The best trivia that I got out of this, and I can't wait because we'll inevitably watch Home Alone as we're coming up on Christmas time. I, as in, we, my family. I'm hey, yeah, you pick might, it for the yeah, podcast. I'll pick it. <laughs> Hey, those wet bandits, they're evil. They are. I'm going to I'm gonna get in on a technicality. Uh, <laughs> do you remember Buzz, the shitty older brother of Kevin from yes. Home Alone? Uh, apparently, he has a poster of this movie hanging in his bedroom. Oh, what? yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've never noticed that. So like now I want to watch it, and I'm going to be looking out for that. If Buzz couldn't be any more unlikable, now he <laughs> is. I thought the final scene was much more affecting than the, the previous movie. The way this movie ends after all the carnage and, and uh, General Perry's dead and Dr. Ted is dead and 
but there's no climax of, of comeuppance or redemption for Steve West. He just, at the end of the movie, he's still just stumbling around back alleys and streets melting, and he leans up against a wall, and he's sort of like, you know, slides down the wall to a, a seated position. He just looks like he's totally given up, and he's just sitting there by himself in an alley melting, and he melts into nothing. And then in the morning, a janitor, a janitor guy just sees him and comes along with a mop bucket and just mops him up. <laughs> that, I, that, was, shovel, right? that is brutal. That is what happens. I think that's uh, kind of profound. I mean, mm. you can do what you want, but at the end of the day, somebody's going to mop you up. And that's that. That's it. When I, when I die, just throw me in the trash, guys. <laughs> yes, mop me up. I thought it was interesting. Um, we talked to Dennis from the Portland Press Herald tonight, and he said the magazine Scholastic, which is legendarily in the dentist office, Dynamite, the 80s, yeah, Scholas- baby, yeah, yeah, Dynamite magazine. In the magazine was a like making of or behind the scenes special effects for this movie. And as a as a kid, I used to love the thing that showed you, like whenever I show a movie to a child that's way too young, which I do all the time, like check out Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> you're seven. Um, if they get scared, I always show them a behind the scenes of a really scary scene. And that stuff, it's like, oh, it's make-believe. It's that's cool. funny. Yeah, that's funny because when we talked about Insidious, I, I found clips of James Wan and other people on the set of Insidious talking to the kid who's who starred in it and there's footage of them all explaining to the kid showing him the special effects and showing him the uh the demon guy and in costume and the, and he's they're showing him like okay you know see this fake and the kid is saying oh yeah i can see your real teeth like that's right. exactly how they're approaching it with this with the star the kid star of the film is right. they're showing him how all the fakery is done sometimes i need that to be honest <laughs> The next film in Ooze Week that I picked was The Stuff from 1985, directed by horror master Larry Cohen. Uh, we recently talked about It's Alive. On um, we Even this episode, we talked about It's Alive. Um, I've really been overdoing it with movies that contain copious amounts of white goo, and that is the premise of The Stuff. But this time, it's a nationwide phenomenon that you can even feed to your kids and your pets. This ooze just starts growing out of the ground in the state of Virginia and soon takes the consumer marketplace by storm. Uh, rival corporation hires ex-FBI agent turned industrial saboteur David Rutherford, a.k.a. Mo, played by Michael Moriarty. They want to find out the recipe, how it's made. So Mo begins investigating and, and starts to unearth this unsavory cover-up. He teams up with Chocolate Chip Charlie, played by <laughs> SNL alumni Garrett Morris. He was a franchise owner who was put out of business by the stuff. Then there's this little kid that's a runaway child, Jason, who's like this crazy like eco-terrorist. <laughs> he really distrusts this stuff after seeing it move in the fridge. His family turns on him. This is like another ode to like 50s uh, sci-fi horror, I feel like, uh, especially... Uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. 
Because yeah. it's this thing that uh, it's kind of revealed through the ads for this stuff, which is weird. And also uh, at the end, the general refers to it as alien or something like that. But you're not really sure where it comes from. It grows out of the ground. They do this thing in this this movie that is in a lot of movies. It's in like uh, you know, like Shaun of the Dead, and it's like when they you just assimilate with the uh, the goons or the zombies or the people under mind control. You just take on their characteristics and blend in. Yeah, I feel like I would be very good at this technique if we had to do something like that. It's like something you know, if you have social anxiety, you do all the time. You're just trying to blend in. <laughs> And this movie has a cameo from the Wendy's lady. Where's the beef? Yes. Yep. She's with Abe Vigoda. And she's like, where's the stuff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I missed that. You missed? That yeah. was the... And wow. a big part of this stuff is the advertising. There's like all these models and there's all these billboards and everything. The stuff is everywhere. It's every truck, every... There's all these giant shipments that are really, really over the top. Um you know, it's obviously a, a commentary on consumerism, and it's blatant and silly and comedic. I watched this like five times. Enough is never enough of <laughs> this <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I think I'd seen this back in the day. I'm pretty sure that I had. Yeah, you told me you had. I had, and but it's been a, a really long time. I love that unlike the previous movie, this one, I feel like Cohen got to make his parody. And both movies this week have uh, in common in that the studios were not pleased with the final product handed to them. It sounds like the producers thought they were going to get like a monster movie, a straight up horror monster movie. They did not. And then they marketed it as such. So when this came out, it was it was panned pretty hard because I think everyone thought they were seeing like the blob or you know some yeah. of the other like 50s yeah. monster movies and it was going to be terror and screaming but there's a, a lot of comedy and a lot of like really thick um you know, undertones uh poking jabs at things i think that michael moriarty in this is amazing like we were talking today day what is his accent it's like oddly southern but like not quite and then i also like the fact that like Mike, michael Mor- moriarty does not come off as like a really badass but he's like james bond and like jackie chan in this movie like somebody like comes at him and all of a sudden he's like the world's greatest fighter um (laughs) overall this is another one uh that you know you'd you'd have to you'd have to give it a once over you know if you're gonna really kind of go through like the rolodex of horror movies especially if you're gonna go down like a larry cohen rabbit hole i think that this is one of cohen's um you know i think it's one of his better films and I, I can understand how a studio maybe wouldn't have, you know, loved receiving this because I don't think in 1985 many studios would have known how to market this to a mainstream audience. I have no idea what it made. I all I could find is that the budget was like a little under two million. Yeah. Uh, but you know, overall, this this is a fun one. I think it's a really fun one. I thought this movie was so fun. I loved it. So thank you, Dave. Thanks. I made it. I made you this. You did movie. it. Yeah. You done did it, pal. I'm not sure what I was expecting with this one, but I was definitely pleasantly surprised. Um, I think I was just wondering how they were going to make this weird goo uh, frightening. And I think they nailed it by the end. I was like, okay, it could it could do some stuff. It's doing more than I thought it would. The practical effects alone make this movie a national treasure. 
I think, personally. The freakiest part was those wide mouths just like left agape by this gelatinous, you know, living mixture taking over and escaping through their orifices. Then there were just these waves of of the stuff wreaking havoc. That scene, I can't remember what character it was, but they were, you know, like plastered to the wall um, and just like pelted with all of it. It was just such an awesome effect. And it made it fun and kind of like an interactive experience because you were like trying to figure out how exactly they did it. You're like, okay, maybe they're, the other actors are upside down and then, you know, they're like in the in it the seemed corner. like a rotating room. It's yeah. The room. Yeah. yeah. It's the room from Nightmare on Elm Street. Well, there you go. Is it the same room? The same, same room. Okay, that's what it's I was wondering. Depth scene. See, wow. it's fun. Okay. It's fun. All right. I thought the story was was fun. You know, a classic corporate greed at its finest. And then the star-studded cast of character actors just really rounded out the whole thing for me. Um, genuinely made me laugh and, and or chuckle. Uh, maybe it was the copious amounts of weed that I smoked beforehand, but I think it would still hold up either way. So I think this is a great secret gem. Thank you again, David. Woo. I love this one. This is great. This is on Tubi for free right now uh, or VOD. It, it's on some of the prime add-ons. This never got a wide release. That's probably why we don't know the budget, the um, the box office. This got a, like a pretty limited run. I think this is one that has come to more prominence uh, through originally through VHS rentals and now just through the catalog of, of Larry Cohen. It wasn't really a big hit at the time, but now I, I would consider this a classic. 100% Mo Rutherford is one of my favorite characters of all time. He does this like, it, it is a combination between Daniel Craig and Knives Out and Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> he does it the whole movie. It's so amazing. I love that first scene where he comes in and he's meeting all the junk food executives that are hiring him to do this um, industrial espionage. And he shakes all their hands. And every time he shakes one of their hands, he says, sweaty palm, sweaty, sweaty palm. palm. Oh, that's sweaty palm. <laughs> oh, that's another sweaty palm. <laughs> that's a sweaty palm, sir. You got sweaty palm, sweaty palm. Like, I, it, did it, SNL get sweaty balls goes, from that? I know. <laughs> it goes on for so long. It's so funny. I love when you tell someone, you know why they call me Mo? Because every time someone gives me money, I ask for Mo. Oh, like, <laughs> and then what? he drops the line what on the girl doing? that he's sleeping with within nine seconds of meeting her. He's, you know why they yeah. call me Mo? Yeah, like, but he it, changes it. I don't remember yeah, every that Every time one. someone gives me something, yeah, I want just, Mo. Just Mo. It's so good. Now, he, he's been in a few Larry Cohen movies. He was in Q from 82, which I want to talk about at some point. He was in uh, It's Alive 3, Island of the Alive. I saw that. He did not do the Foghorn Leghorn thing in that. Boom. He was in Return to Salem's Lot. We haven't talked about 87. And he was the original um, DA uh, or the, I don't know if he's the lead prosecutor. He was the Sam Watterson, the original Sam Watterson in Law and Order. Yeah, with Sorvino. Yes. They were in like a couple seasons together, I think. Yeah, he was, um, uh, Moriarty was uh, 90 to 94. And there's a really interesting history of how he fell out with Dick Wolf and the producers of that show. And it had to do with like Janet Reno. If you're old, you might oh. remember her like talking about violent movies or violent TV shows was the thing. So he has a really interesting history. He's kind of a crazy, seems like kind of a crazy guy. He actually moved to Canada and got citizenship uh, in Canada because he was like so disillusioned with the USA and all that. Um, the special effects, amazing. Once, once the stuff comes out of your mouth 
it just leaves you as a corpse. That's what mm-hmm. you were talking about, where you just have this like this dummy head. They made all these dummy heads for this movie. Very, very good practical in this. This is a must-see, I think, for, for anyone who likes horror movies and especially horror comedies. This movie is like the reason I got hooked on Tubi because I've like moved my whole family to the doghouse and my Rottweiler and Caitlin and I all sleep on the couch. I've just forced them, if you want to be my family, you're going to have to sleep on the couch and watch Tubi until five in the morning. <laughs> Every, and this is one of those ones that I just watched, like my face all like uh, half awake. Um, but it's great. It's like the perfect gem like when you just come across when you're just watching random horror movies. Trent, you were talking about the effects, and I really wanted to know who was working on the effects for this movie because part of it's like 50s throwback to like the blob and part of it is very like Rick Baker-esque, you know, all the heads that you were talking about that they made. They had an insane um, crew of effects people on this. So Brett Culpepper did some of it and we would know him uh, from Reanimator. Mm. And he's also acted in a ton. He's, he, if you look him up on IMDb, it's insane. All the effects works he's done, all the acting gigs he's had. He's been a stuntman in a bunch of movies, so Stu's hardcore. David Allen, so we, I think, talked about The Howling on the show. I don't know if that Patreon. was the show or the Patreon. Yeah. Uh, Willow, Ghostbusters oh. 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kid, a ton of puppet masters. Jim Doyle, who did the original Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th, 7. Uh, Paul Gentry, who did Gremlins 2, Edward Scissorhands, Predator 2, John Lambert, who did the original Ghostbusters, Fright Night, and a movie that I talked about how my mom used to bring me home random VHS horror movies. He did this movie called Skeeter (laughs) about killer mosquitoes. But I mean, it was just a crazy, crazy bunch of people that he had working behind the scenes on, on the effects for this movie. I thought that Mo Rutherford and Chocolate Chip Charlie were one of the greatest buddy they were one of the greatest yeah. like buddy movie like Beverly, duos Beverly Hills cop level <laughs> yeah I, I just wanted to see a whole movie with Mo Rutherford and Chocolate Chip Charlie as like buddy Charlie investigators Charlie did not get enough screen time I know because then right then he yeah. had to disappear and then come back yeah. later that that I think was my favorite part better than lethal weapon I liked the mention of the fluoride conspiracy in this movie mm-hmm. I mean that's something that actually people will still bring up to you today Oh, they, yeah. Putting the fluoride in the water, you know what that does. Uh, makes you liberal and gay or something. I don't <laughs> gay, know. Gay, I don't know. Gay frogs. Yeah, you use this, a, that, was a, that was a thing in 85. I use Tom's of Maine because the, I don't like my teeth to be clean. Yeah, the big pharma angle, and it's alive. We say this a lot on the show, which makes me sad, but horror seems to have been able to bring up things that are still very much a problem today. So there's all these old horror movies. I mean, this is 1985. Everything in this movie is still prevalent today. We still have entire corporations who will kill us, kill the earth, kill anything for corporate profit. And that's basically what, you know, Larry Cohen is saying is this. So it's funny that in 85, you know, he had a hair across his ass about what companies were forcing into our bodies and 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 again, he's making fun of us too because everyone in the movie is happily consuming this. And he's basically just saying you're just making yourself a slave to like that two liter of Pepsi or whatever. But it's all things that you know are still being done today. You know, I wouldn't have fallen for this because it took me a while to try kombucha because <laughs> of things that I had read about it. And I, I didn't, I dipped my toes in. I wasn't the first one there in line for the kombucha. Kind of an ADR fest. 
I, I didn't love the <laughs> bad ADR, bad ADR <laughs> on this. Deaf. I never noticed that. that. That was the only thing, and I would dig. And I don't know where where are we watching this right now. This Prime. is on Prime. Okay, so they're on. Uh, I rented it on YouTube. No captions available. Oh, Ooh, ouch! So you have the ADR and no captions. Little disappointed there. Well, we were laughing today because it gets to the end, and you've had all these insane. Because uh, this is kind of like an action horror comedy too. Like yeah. it's very like there's explosions and yeah. Uh, there's a scene where they show a McDonald's, a stuff restaurant, the stuff restaurant, and a KFC, and they blow up the stuff restaurant like right in between in the between. McDonald's, and, the, and it looks great. And then it cuts to like the final scene where eventually our merry band of misfits, you know, overthrow both the corporation and stop the stuff, and they're they're. Basically confronting Mo and Jason, the little kid, are confronting the two big uh, corporate guys that really let all this happen and profited off of it. And like they're making them eat a bunch of the stuff. And then like Cohen doesn't even bother to show like them getting arrested by authorities. It's just like sirens in the background. And then they do this terrible ADR for Jason where it's like, well, Mo, I, I guess we got him or something like as they're walking out of the room. And I'm like, Everything you just showed me was so fantastic. Like you couldn't throw like an extra ten bucks in to have a couple of the uniform guys come in, and no. you know, not necessary. There was some nom stuff in this too. Um, talking about Paul Sorvino being that like super old school John Wayne. Type. He's kind of that. He's the General Perry of this movie. There's a there's a scene where they've marshaled him against the stuff. They've convinced him that he should take his fascist right-wing leanings and put them against the stuff, which he is happy to do. And there's a scene where he says something to the effect of, US of A Army, we've never lost a war. And the little kid says, what about Nam, sir? <laughs> and, I love, and he says, lost that at home. Oh. Classic like 80s Vietnam commentary. Uh -huh. I'd like to talk about, uh, we we're talking about the advertising for the stuff. And I'd like to talk about the weird model scene that uh, happens. Loved it. I love the model scene. I'm sure you did. Um, I would say that scene <laughs> felt like it ran for about 10 minutes. Maybe, you know, thinking about it, maybe realistically it, it was a five minute scene. It had to, it could have been three minutes shorter, maybe four minutes shorter. It literally, they used it as just ladies walking down the runway, boobies, up to the heavens, eating white stuff, putting white stuff in each other's mouths. Yeah, because that's how they were marketing the stuff. Okay. They were sexing it up. I mean, I, that's marketing. I understand. But all I'm saying is in the moment, even a high cat was like, listen, this does not need to be going on any longer. And it I, just kept going. I like that. That was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie with the various like advertising segments and like the little ads and jingles they came up with. I like the jingles. I would, I would like to see the advertisements that go with the drink that you're drinking. White Claw? Yeah, it's probably beautiful people in bikinis and fur coats. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have beautiful bibs in bikinis and fur coats. All I'm saying is that in this film... In that moment, it literally lasted like five minutes. It, did. it didn't it did need last. to be that long. That's all I'm saying. Well, that's why you want to watch this uh, without the ads, because there's already ads in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, interestingly enough, what, what you were talking about, Trent, and, and different from The Incredible Melting Man, this was self-edited by Larry Cohen. So it's not even that the studio 
was upset at the content. It was like like we have already talked about. It was overall. It was the fact that it was not a horror movie, and there was really no way you were going to edit this and have it be a straight horror movie. Apparently, there's like a much longer cut, and Cohen self-edited it when the studio said we need this to be ninety minutes. And they thought that that Cohen's original cut was lost. They found it last summer. So I'm wondering if sometime soon we'll see a full Larry Cohen director's cut come out of this. Interesting. I'd be into that. He he didn't seem, from what I read, he didn't seem to think that, uh, he, he wasn't really going to bat for his own cut. of. There was a love scene between Mo and uh, Andrea Markovici, who plays the... The marketer that he teams up with, she had been Mark marketing this stuff. Yeah. I guess there was a love scene between them in a hotel or something like that and some other like nice. comedic scenes. Well, the advertising scene that you're talking about, Kat, or the modeling scene we just talked about, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Brooke mm-hmm. Adams is in that. She's also in a post-credit scene. I don't know if you guys stuck around for that. I did not stick around for that. Quick post-credit scene oh, in a shower. No. Holding it up and saying, uh, enough oh, is not oh, enough. Yeah, I did. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Laureen Landon is also one of those models. She was in Maniac Cop 1 and 2. I want to see more Michael Moriarty. I know it's not going to be, he's not going to be doing this thing that he does, but he was in The Last Detail from 73 with Jack Nicholson. That's a great one if you've ever seen that. He was in Troll 86. He was in uh, Pale, um, Pale Rider. Clint Eastwood directed and starred from um, mid '80s, same time period. Interesting guy. Yeah, I thought he did great. I loved the final scene of this movie and the final shot, where you think that this is kind of a classic move, where you think that the good has won out and the good guys have prevailed, and this stuff is off the market, and it turns out that. So the like the ice cream companies and the stuff company, they've all kind of like gotten together and decided that they can make a lighter version of the stuff mm. that will still keep people like kind of addicted to it, but it won't, you know, end uh, the human race or whatever. But then it cuts to a guy buying the stuff out of a trunk in a back alley classic thing like if you outlaw it it just goes to the black market people will still find the stuff they will still sell the stuff and i just love that last scene of that last shot of the guy dipping his finger in and tasting it he kind of looks at the camera very like i don't know scarface or something it's like when they took the cocaine out of (laughs) coca-cola or like when they closed the bean factory in portland and now all the beans don't taste the same because they weren't made in the kettles. It's I real. Some. I have some. Listen, Nick searched for some Portland-made beans today at Shaw's, and he found some. We got the stuff, guys. <laughs> the stuff. <laughs> enough is never enough. So next week, oh, what, stuff. what do we got? Oh, The white stuff. Um, I'm going to have to cut that in because we have uh, two recommendations from our costume contest winner, one of which is nowhere on the mm. World Wide Web. I respect that. Yeah, the incident is, uh, there's two versions, two full versions on YouTube with no subtitles. They're in Spanish. It's not on F'd Up Movies. It's fan- not, Spanish. we both looked for it. I can't find it. So I messaged him on Patreon to see if he had an, uh, an alternate. But we can do- He doesn't like your notes. Um, <laughs> we can do demons. He said demons and the incident. So to start with demons. Yeah. 